Bush and Richie here with your daily takeaway podcast. Uh, one thing that we need to talk about, which we don't talk about in the show you're about to hear, is a program that we're, we're both kind of into at the moment, mm. which is the Beckham documentary. Mm. Uh, it's on Netflix, and I just want to say I, I've never really liked being into the Beckhams, really, to be honest with you. Uh, and if you watch it, I'm only one episode in, but he's a, it's, it's like a really good PR thing. Mm. I, I kind of really like him. I like Victoria Beckham more than I thought I'd like Victoria yeah. Beckham. And you wonder if uh, 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 James Corden is watching it. He's thinking maybe Corden out on Netflix <laughs> next year. Have a bit of a PR <laughs> turnaround for him as well. Uh, it's definitely was much better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, one of my takeaways, this isn't a spoiler, um, because it's not the main part of it, but you find out he keeps bees. Oh, yeah, right at the beginning he does a bit right, of beekeeping. Right at the beginning does a bit of beekeeping. He's got a branded uh, beekeeper's outfit. Um, he's got about nine beehives in his back garden. You never find out whether it's uh, his London one or uh, LA. It's got a few houses. Got a few houses. Uh, but what never gets... Maybe we've still got further episodes to watch. What never gets dealt with is what happens to all this honey that the bees make. Because, you know, they're never short of um, a commercial opportunity, the Beckhams. Yeah. Well, he's, even, he's, got, he's got branded. He yeah. has branded beekeeping outfit. He has, he has. But I've never been in Holland and Barrett and seen, you know, Beckham's honey for sale. Because Paul, uh, what's his name? The old, uh, the actor has got his own uh, like tomato sauce, Paul Newman. Uh, Paul Newman's got yeah. his own sauce. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. Beckham, I would get your buy face. Beckham's honey. That'd be good, wouldn't it? And the, other, the, the the flip side of that is, if he's just making it privately, how much honey is David Beckham going through every single day? He's, yeah. he's got nine beehives. That's a lot of <laughs> lot of honey, isn't it? It's a lot of honey. Yeah, I mean, and I wonder whether he's getting in the lozenge market for sore throats. Absolutely. Because have you have you ever had manuka honey? Have you had... Oh, I swear by manuka honey. Well, see, I, I like manuka honey, but I had manuka honey. Uh, we'll get on with the show in a minute, I promise. I like I like <laughs> manuka honey, but I had it on toast the other day, and it's awful. I don't think I'd have done that. Why? So is it just specifically for sore throats? It's specifically for sore throats. Well, I didn't realise. A teaspoon. Or mixing it in sort of like a nice lemony hot drink. Well, that's it. So, yeah. But they, I think they should make that clear. This is this is a note to the Beckhams if you listen to the podcast and you're getting involved in the honey market. Just be clear about what kind of honey it is. The Daily Takeaway. Bush and Richie's Daily Takeaway. Can't go on a ride anywhere in my car at the moment because the car door won't shut. But now what's been going on with the car door? Uh, so Rocco, he's five, turns six in January, just so you go... Uh, Actually, just you got a, an idea of the age child that we are, are talking about here. Right. You know, like on a, a, a car door, you've got the catch on the actual door that latches onto uh, the little the little hook thing as the door shuts. Yeah? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. He was playing with that over the weekend. He's popped it into the shut position and now it doesn't catch. So the door won't shut? Door won't shut, no. So what, can you actually drive around with that? Or well, what? no, because otherwise the door's going to fly open like a clown car. What a strange thing for a child to be playing oh, with. The innards of a door. I, I've, I've <laughs> been, been through all these things. Where, where were you at this point? Were you, were you on point watching him, or was he just, was he like, is he in the kind of grey zone between both parents, the, the blind spot? I was out already. Uh, I'm already out on the driveway, right. so, uh, because I'm ready to go. So, okay. by default... It's his zonal marking he's your man to have picked up. <laughs> by that point, yeah, exactly. Don't okay. Don't be playing with that. <laughs> and then you can't go out on your trip. Because no, no. <laughs> the whole thing's rendered useless. I can't go over that. Oh, don't, oh, don't. I can't go over it. It's such a freak thing. So were you, were you across with him, or what was what was the kind of comeback on that? For of course I'm cross. I'm livid. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the car is immobile. The car's fine, but you, you can't take it anywhere because you can't shut the doors. You can't lock the thing. Oh, it's just, it's just, it's just a nightmare. But this is... There is no more wrath than than a parent that is that is cross with a child that has broken one of their pieces of property. Well, I think cars are like 
the worst thing. I remember, it's I remember the worst thing. when I was a kid. I don't know how this was the case, but we were me and my brother were allowed flick knives. <laughs> okay, we, we we had a knife each. That's almost bringing on trouble by your parents, isn't it? <laughs> Welcome to Devon, folks. Welcome. This is how we roll in stuff. Then, but I had, I had a like a, a six-inch flick knife, right, right. with like a, a bear on it in an ivory handle, like someone like a, a Native American would carry around right. with them uh, back in the day. And I remember sitting in the in, in the back seat of the car with my brother while my parents were in our parents' evening. So <laughs> you we used to sit in the back of the car. Yeah. Um, and we were, I was mucking around with this knife in the back with my brother. Like you do. Slipped with it, and I, my, I put the knife through the back of my, my dad's seat. <laughs> <laughs> like massive hole, like literally stabbed through the back of my Punctured dad's gun. Punctured upholstery. Punctured upholstery in his, in his grey Cortina, and he went absolutely <laughs> spare. Ballistic. So when he got back in the car... After the parents' evening, how long did it take for you to admit to what had happened? It was instant. I blurted it out. And the worst thing was, we, I'd had a good parents' evening and ruined all, all that good work. So, uh, And it still gets talked about to this day. Uh, Neil says, I broke the head off some kind of China figurine of my mum's whilst playing football, brackets, indoors. I stuck it back on with Pritt stick and it stayed on for around about a day. I had pocket money taken off me for a week. Consequences. I, I love I love the image of just out of nowhere the head re-falling back off this figurine. But, yeah. Like after the Britsticks just given up. Little Louis the sixteenth <laughs> doll. <laughs> Haunted, undoubtedly haunted. Dan says, not necessarily broke something, but I did tape over my brother's first birthday home video VHS with an episode of Dream Team. <laughs> it was the only existing video of my grandma as well. My mum didn't speak to me for about two weeks. He says, I still watch the episode, though. <laughs> that's good that's not funny, but it's so good. Um, thank you to the hundreds and hundreds of people <laughs> who have uh, suggested a... 10-second fix uh, for the car door that I've not yet tried. And if it really is as simple that as everyone is saying, um, I'll be kicking myself when I get home Why tonight. is that a thing, though? Why can you do that with a door? Why would anyone need that done to a door? I, I, I agree. I agree. Particularly when it's a back door and that's where children get in. Yes. This just so, goes right to the top, mate. Yeah, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a word with the mechanic. You need a campaign. Uh, Niall says, My dad spent months building a radio-controlled Spitfire. This thing was massive. It cost a fortune. Me as a kid thought, I could fly on that. I sat on it and crunched. Oh, no. <laughs> dad didn't look at me in the eye for weeks. Must be in tears about that. Uh, this text says, I was three or four and my dad was painting the skirting boards in the bathroom. I thought it would help, so I painted the toilet bowl gloss black. Uh, my granddad then took me to the beach to get me out of the way, then fell asleep sleep and granddad had to carry me and my tricycle home. Well, it's like a story straight out of the 1960s for you there. Uh, Paul, what happened? Well, in 1984 when I was little, I fed my granddad brand new front-loading VHS with a remote control without a lead a banana. <laughs> it must be an 80s thing because my, my cousin Chris, Chris Marsden in the 80s in Liverpool put a jam sandwich in uh, their... <laughs> Their VCR, and there must just be like a swathe of these things for kids. It's just a little hole to put stuff in, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I actually peeled it and pushed it all in, squished it all in so it fit so the flap shut. <laughs> must be so satisfying, though, mustn't it? So your granddad right. wouldn't have known that it was trying to play a no. banana until he put a video in himself, really? Yeah, apparently when he tried to put in me Nan's copy of uh, Emmerdale, it didn't work. 
Uh, well, I mean, I'd love to see little bits of banana coming out from around the sides. <laughs> what a spectacle. I wonder if that the, the, the fact that you could load VHS players with stuff that you shouldn't is what actually sped up DVD yeah. technology. Yeah, you, you helped technology along, Paul. Good on oh, you. yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kevin's in South Wales, says, for my 11th birthday, my parents bought me a proper bow and arrow. Brilliant. Uh, within two days, I'd punctured my dad's fish pond. <laughs> He couldn't. <laughs> he couldn't understand why he had to keep filling it up every other day. Serves them right for buying a potentially lethal weapon for a child. What about that? I mean, it goes back to what I was saying earlier on about being allowed to have a flick knife. Different times. <laughs> Different times. Kids missing out these days. Uh, Tim Burgess is back on Absolute Radio with a new series of his brilliant listening party later this month. But he's got a day job with the Charlatans. We're heading back out on the road this winter. Uh, right now at AbsoluteRadio.co.uk, you can win tickets to see the band play live. And while you're there, listen back to some amazing episodes of his show featuring likes of The Edge, The Kinks, Charlene Spiteri and Susanna Hoffs. Uh, Craig says, playing golf in the garden, trust me, sounds grander than it is. Uh, when I broke a kitchen window with an errant chip shop. Oh dear. Uh, that was the last I saw of my nine iron in one piece at any rate. Alright there, Rory McElroy. <laughs> I was going to say Ricky Ponting and realised I had the wrong sport. You would have done, but you saved it. Thank you very much, but then I admitted it so I kind of ruined it. <laughs> Autumn knocking at the door and summer still saying, no, not yet, not yet, my friends. My middle daughter, Thea, asked me, Daddy, is it is it nearly autumn? And because I still don't understand the seasons, I had to say, I'm sorry, darling, I really don't know. <laughs> Just a reminder, you only recognise two seasons of the year, summer yeah, and winter. It is, and you know what, life's a little bit simpler when you look at it that way. Uh, in other news, right, isn't the brain's capacity to forget important information incredible? Like, you, know, you think about the stuff that you've known or had to revise or you've learned or it's been in your head at some point, mm. and then... Within, like, a, a week or two of you using it or not needing it anymore, it's just gone. Like, I, I, I was looking through some stuff upstairs uh, over the weekend. I found a box of things from my university days. Oh, what a treat. What a treat that was. All, some stuff from, like, my, my University of Swansea days when I did American Studies about 2,000 years ago. But on the top of this box was an essay that I did back in the day uh, during my uh, university degree. Uh, and the title of this essay or dissertation was uh, American Experience in Vietnam and the Star Wars Trilogy. Wow. What about that? And I still can't, I can't believe I even had this stuff in my head. So the, the angle on this was that uh, George Lucas, uh, the, you know, the man behind Star Wars, tried to uh, reassemble America's broken sense of self uh, after the Vietnam War through kind of retelling it. And it's only when you go back and look at Star Wars, you've got the rebellion, the, the horrible, you know, the, the, the good guys, mm -hmm. the American rebellion, and you've got the, the English overlords, the you know, the Empire, and then it ends, you know, in Return, Return, was it, uh, Return of the Jedi with them fighting in a jungle, but with making friends with the natives and kind mm -hmm. of retelling the Vietnam Wars. But I'm boring myself even talking about it. But <laughs> it's weird that at one point in your life, if you've ever had to write something like that, you may have had to write an essay on something weird. Uh, and and then that information... Like, I mean, I was leafing through this essay that uh, I'd written, and I can't, remember, I can't remember writing any of it at all. <laughs> I don't have any of that stuff in my head still to this day. Uh, so, I don't know, just put it out there this hour. If you've had to write an essay or a dissertation on something unusual, do tell us about it. Have you ever had to write a report or a thing on it? I did do a dissertation, and the thing that... The thing that astounds me as I, as I think back at it is 12,000 words. Yes. 12,000 words. That's, that's what I have to write on this. I always I, get out of breath if I have to write more than a sentence now. <laughs> I know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I can remember the title. Can independent broadcasting be truly independent? Oh, my I word. I couldn't write a sentence on that right now, let alone 12,000 words. All right, Ofcom. <laughs> I think the answer was no. Yeah, it was no. Well, look, uh, Mark says he did his English language CSE oral exam on the boxer Barry McGuigan. 
I'd followed his career from the early on as he's from the same town as my mum and her family. It was early 86 and he was world champion still at this point. Wow. So at that given moment in Mark's life, he knows all about Barry McGuigan. Is that 12,000 words on Barry McGuigan? Is that what we're saying? Mark is passionate enough to easily get to 12,000 words. So so asking you what unusual thing you've done a dissertation or an essay on back in the day, I found my essay, The American Experience in Vietnam and the Star Wars Trilogy, in a box of uh, my American Studies stuff from Swansea University. A dusty old box because it's so long ago now. Uh, So if you've had to write or do an unusual uh, talk on something, tell us about it. Some great stuff coming in. The chairman says uh, he had to do a thing on the home advantage in professional football. Interesting subject. And my favourite one so far is this from someone on Twitter called Easy Crisps, which is a great name. Uh, They did an essay on the functionality of dry roast peanut seasonings and ways to improve to reduce cost. I would read that. I'd read that as well. (laughs) Makes me really hungry. Uh, Tom says, my university got a grant to research the best way to recycle avocado stones. Uh, David said, when I was in medical school, I did a BSc in psychology. For some reason, my dissertation was about the personality of chimpanzees. I had to go to Edinburgh Zoo every day for six weeks and record whatever the chimpanzees did, (laughs) mainly flinging poo around and sleeping. I'm a a paediatrician now, he says. Uh, Karen is in Leeds, says, my dissertation was on public toilet design. Wow. <laughs> I'd read that again. Because you, know, you walk past those ones in central London sometimes where you can actually sit in there and the, in, and the door closes. A little bit like, you know, yeah. like a posh train toilet. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't ri- I wouldn't want to risk that in a million yeah, years. Yeah, no thanks. You don't need a malfunction to be open up in front of, uh, you know, Leicester Square. Let us know your thoughts, Karen. So, well, we've got Dr Barney uh, on the line. Doctor, tell us about your unusual report that you had to write. Well, I wrote a, uh, a piece for my uh, fourth year paediatrics module in medical school in Leeds, which was the influence of the Teletubbies on children's speech and motor development. Wow. So what, the the Teletubbies can influence children's speech, but they don't speak the Teletubbies, do they? It it was all about imitation. So they'd say lots of things over and over and over again. And the kids would sit there and they'd they'd be mesmerised and they'd copy them both in, you know, falling about and running about and uh, both in all that uh-oh uh, rubbish that you heard and all that but kids between sort of two and four two and five they're absolutely transfixed by it you know all the brightly coloured blobs and uh, the fact that the Teletubbies repeat it over and over again so they get to practice all the stuff that they see on the telly so yeah. Dr Barney two questions then uh, one would you as a doctor recommend that kids that age really do go in on the Teletubbies and two did you get a decent mark for it well, I would definitely say the Teletubbies are, are useful uh, because the uh, the outcome was that kids that watched lots of Teletubbies were slightly more advanced in both motor and speech than kids that didn't. Wow. Uh, and I got the best mark, best mark in medical school of any of my essays for that particular piece. Amazing. <laughs> and, and you must have had to watch a lot of Teletubbies to, to do the research. Uh, it, it, got, it got a bit tedious towards the end. I've got a, got a Teletubbies. Did you end up, with a, end, end up with a favourite Teletubby out of the lot after all the hours you spent uh, watching it? I'd have to say Poe. Yeah, Poe's a favourite. <laughs> yeah. And is Nunu as naughty as they make out? The Nunu is very naughty with all that tubby custard. Absolutely. Terrible stuff. First mention of tubby custard on Home Time, <laughs> I think, this year, so that's great. Uh, Simon Jones says he wrote a thing on the spatial analysis of burglaries in Wolverhampton. Wow. Interesting course. Uh, Abby in Bedfordshire, one of her final essays, whether Taylor Swift and her fans were changing the world of fandom and essentially making being a fangirl a lifestyle. Uh, Abby says, I argued that she was, and I think I've definitely been proven right. Uh, if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan, that's definitely panning out at the moment. Someone 
someone else here says, I once wrote an essay on the video game Animal Crossing for my sociology module. I was looking at how people mimic social rituals by talking to cute little animals in the game. <laughs> so, Matt. Uh, Imogen, what did you write? Um, I had to write my final essay on um, second wave feminism, uh, specifically in pop culture. Um, so I did mine on Shrek 2. And <laughs> I really, I don't... I really don't know how I managed to incorporate the two, but I did somehow. Um, but I remember being particularly pleased that I'd got the word thong into the essay. So Superb. Yeah. So, uh, and how, how did uh, second wave feminism feature in, in Shrek 2? Can you remember anything about it? Because my American Studies essay, I can't remember anything about even writing it at all. I was worried you were going to ask me that, and no, I it's don't. Gone. I don't remember Princess Fiona wearing a thong in Shrek 2, I'll say that <laughs> no, much. It was the gingerbread man. Of oh, course. Right, yes. <laughs> Makes me go and want to watch it all over again. Yeah. Shrek 2 was better than Shrek 1. I would say Absolutely. that much. It is. Well, that, I presume that was at the end of your essay. Imogen, can we ask um, what subject that was for? And then uh, what do you do now? Um, so that was for my degree was media with cultural studies. Um, and now I'm a counsellor. So not the same. Ah, <laughs> another career curveball here on Home Time this evening. Yeah. <laughs> and can you watch Shrek normally now, or are you always top of and analysing it because you've done an essay on it? Yeah, no, it's, it's kind of ruined it a bit, hasn't it? Congratulations <laughs> again to Angie, who's won away into our sold-out James gig at the Shepherd's Bush Empire, uh, despite the fact her and Richie both being, I would say, anti-broccoli. And, uh, <laughs> I don't, do you know what I mean? I just, uh, I'm, I love broccoli. I can't believe there's such a bad feeling towards it. I've never said I'm anti-broccoli. I just don't feel I know enough about broccoli. Broccoli curious. <laughs> uh, rock and roll football is back on Saturday afternoon, and there's a chance for you to win big cash prizes. Uh, yeah, don't miss the unbiased and deeply analytical football show on Absolute Radio from Saturday afternoon, 2 o'clock uh, with Bet Builder from Virgin Bet. Create the bet you want on the match you want. T's and C's apply. 18 plus gamble responsibly. Be gamble aware to all. Mate, tell us what unusual project you got involved in back in the day. Um, it was a, uh, a dissertation on the effect of birth weight on piglet mortality, basically. Oh, wow. wow. Oh, can, can we ask what course it was that you were doing? I was doing uh, an HND in agriculture. Oh. So what did you have to do as, like, part of your, like, you know, prep? Like, sitting down with piglets or what what was... Yeah, basically, yeah. I had to sit in a farrowing pen (laughs) and when the the piglets were born, I had to weigh them. Yeah. And then I painted a little number on their back. Cute! Uh, Yeah, very. Uh, the mum didn't think so. Oh, right, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and then uh, I would record every time they uh, went to, to suckle their mum, which is probably once every 20 minutes or so. Yeah. Uh, and you would take, sort of, see which ones were suckling on which teats, because Sal would have 12 to 14 teats. Or he's, he's still got the knowledge. Like <laughs> yeah, he's not lost he's it. He's not no. lost it. Yeah, no, it was, it was 40-odd years ago. Um, and uh, so you would record which ones and... In effect, the heavier piglets got the better teats and therefore grew better, and the smaller ones got the worse teats and didn't grow as well, and some unfortunately passed away. Oh, blimey, there's well, a bit of a sour a ending there, at the end didn't there. it? But like, what a lovely, uh, with that aside, what a lovely, um, like, you know, little field trip to be on uh, in the yeah. university days in terms of being, imagine being all nice and cosy there in, in your wax jacket and wellies in, in the hay <laughs> of a pigsty that always looks nice and warm and then getting to cuddle a little piglet as well every yeah, every 20 well, minutes. You, you, you could put it like that. It got a bit dull when you were doing it, you know, through the night and all day, every day for six weeks or whatever it was, yeah. And do please tell us that you, you stayed in agriculture and farming and you haven't ended up 
Um, <laughs> Working at Foxton's. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I stayed in pig, pig farming for 15 years, and then I became a policeman. Wow! Okay, well, there you go. There's a curveball in the career. Did not see yep. that coming. This is the Daily Takeaway. Daily Takeaway. I've got a feeling, just going back to our honey chat, and who would have thought so much honey chat would come out of the David Beckham documentary? I've got a feeling it can't be Manuka Honey unless it comes from New Zealand. Is that right? I think Manuka Honey is from the Manuka Bees of New Zealand. Well, which is interesting because I've always thought Manuka's just one of that one of the honeys that are out there, one of the honeys. What, like a brand? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you <laughs> yeah. can just get it on your toast. But it's awful. <laughs> I just want to underline that. It's awful if you have it on toast. Yeah, yeah. no, just don't do that. Just do it for sore throats, yeah. so... Uh, maybe there's maybe there's a, a six o'clock hour in this in the future. Honey chat. <laughs> if we told our bo- boss that we were doing a honey hour, he would take that the wrong way. <laughs>